the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. Okay. Few days, yeah. So maybe we won't use this. Maybe we will. I don't know, but we'll see. But so here's the thing that's on my mind. I've been active in Clubhouse lately. Mm-hmm. And this is all important context, right? I, I'm not like, this is all related. Uh, and I've been uh, enjoying it to an extent. And I think um, I've also been doing somewhat well, I guess, you know, if zero is the starting game for everyone and you earn, you know, kind of followers, I guess, along the way. Um, by the contributions that you give and the reactions that people show you, then that I guess I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to suggest I'm famous or anything like that. I don't like that idea. That's not what's happening. I want to be clear about that, right? I, I don't believe this follower stuff, but like it's part of the dynamic of what it is. And mm-hmm. so you follow people that you enjoy, and I'm sure there's a, a lot of superficiality about it. Um, I have gotten involved in a good conversation where I feel like my opinion and my contributions have been appreciated and, and seen by people and I feel validated in that way. Um, and so it's been fun in that way. And I've also been able to become part of a team of, of professionals who are similar in nature, right? We're different too. There's an entrepreneur, there are relationship coaches, there are matchmakers, there's a therapist, um, there are other coaches too. Uh, and, and so we've set up a nice kind of professional dialogue to help support each other's projects along the way. Part of, I think, the conversation, the social currency of Clubhouse is that it's about making yourself vulnerable, right? Because there's an honesty to it, right? Part of the difficulty of Facebook is the Facebook effect that like everything is so, it seems mm-hmm. like beautiful for everyone. And people have said like, oh, I feel terrible when I go on Facebook sometimes because my life is not like that. And of course the Facebook effect is that like nobody puts all that real stuff out there. And so of course you think your life is shit because you have a really good look at what your life is. And when you see just the outer shell of everyone else's in comparison, just subconsciously, you're like, ugh, I can't deal with it. And so I think part of the difference here is that like, all right, you have a very minimal profile and your authenticity is built up upon what you say and how you're perceived. And there are clearly people who are very polished and trying to sell a product out there. And I get that. I respect that, actually. They're working it. They're grinding it. And then and there are other people, partly in the community that I found, who aren't trying to go for such a polished look about it um, and are just trying to be a little bit more authentic as they can. Um, but that requires vulnerability. And then there's also this encouragement to be vulnerable, right? Because that yields better results in terms of people thinking that what's going on is more authentic. So I think I have a little bit of, I'm just going to say, I think exhaustion from that. And also like the work put into just being a presence on clubhouse, because it does feel a lot like high school, just trying to get to know people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like I have a little bit of like intimacy whiplash for like going so deep with such a large group of people in such a short amount of time. And here's the other thing that was really interesting about it, which is particularly, I think, divorce related, Okay. which is that I do have a slight bit of anxiety and fear that like, if I say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, right. And that would have to be really objectively wrong, which isn't, I don't think a real threat for me, 
but in any event, I feel like I'm going to get dropped. Like it's all of just cancel gonna... culture type of thing. No, not necessarily kind of cancel culture, but because it's like, oh, you know, we've seen the real side of you or something like that, or we've seen something that we don't really like and we're not really ready for it. And so see you later. And I don't have anything in there that could be that way. That's not what I'm afraid of, right? And I have, I have no fear about sharing certain parts about myself. And I don't think that I bleed over things either, that I have a, a realistic understanding of what's appropriate to share, the depth of what I can share, even knowing certain things that make other people uncomfortable. Um, my point is to say, though, is that that's a really odd feeling. It's an odd feeling to feel like, oh my God, if there's no communication about something or that like if something takes longer um, than it should to be communicated or to hear back from someone, that that feels like, you know, something's really wrong in the relationship. And I don't think that's true. Not, you're but, talking about professional relationships. Yes, that's what I mean, professional, right. this, this group of people, right? But there's also been a bleeding of that too because it's not strictly professional. People have right. opened themselves up in certain ways. Um, and so there is a real kind of intimacy and honesty there, right? Which is true. And certainly what I'm to, adjusting to about that is that like, again, the, the whiplash of it, like how much of that has just happened at once and the depth of it at once. That's a lot, I think, for anyone, even for someone like me who enjoys deep conversations. Sometimes they happen over a longer period of time and with one person, right? Um, and that's not even in relation, like that's not even an intimate relation or what I mean is romantic relationships, right? I have guy friends in which those relationships have gotten really deep but they haven't necessarily been all at once, right? I think about camp friends, I think about college friends. Um, so my point is again, that like, it feels the, the whole experience itself in terms of relationships feels like just something I have to be careful about and I wanna be careful about because there's certainly not an, an even exchange of vulnerability, like certain people go deeper than others. And I'm trying to be careful about how it impacts me when I'm not like on the social media part of it, because I don't want to be constantly thinking about it either. And so I'm trying to be more sensitive to this feeling I have, which I think could have been trauma of the fact of someone saying, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Mm. I don't want to be in relationship with you anymore. And then the residual effects of that, that happened in community, right? With friends who stopped talking to me and all that. So like, that's kind of what it's bringing up. Mm. I know I said a lot there, but there's obviously so, a lot there to say. First of all, I want to just comment, give you feedback that I've noticed in our talks, you being way more vulnerable and putting more personal stuff on the table. And I think it's complete, made a huge positive impact on okay. the nature of our discussions. And like, I think it's, a, you've strike, you've struck a good balance. Like you, you don't overshare, it's not too much, but I've definitely noticed the shift towards um, this, this desire, like not this, this attempt to not appear as like getting it all together and perfect. And like, which I think is so much more relatable and makes it a better podcast. Um, um, so I've definitely noticed that. This has gotten really meta now. 
Is it meta? Um, I'm not so clear, like, what? <laughs> yeah, are you just voicing your fears? Or, like, um, I mean, it sounds like you've, you are not, you've, like, recognized the power of vulnerability and what comes along with it, or some of the anxiety and the fears that come along with it. But that you're, yeah. Well, I def I, I've certainly always had that fear. I think a lot of people do of like, if I open myself up to it, there could be, be potential pain there. And who wants that? I've gone through that cycle. Um, One of the hard things with divorce, especially in a public place that I've also struggled with is that to be really open and real about the things that you've gone through in the end of your marriage and not in the divorce, but even in the marriage falling apart, which is important discussions. It's not one person. So to really be real, you need to drag both people. You need to drag your ex under the bus and it's not your story to tell. Like there's a lot that I would love to talk about, about like what went wrong in the marriage, but I don't want to like, I, I take responsibility for my part, but it's an interaction. <laughs> so in order for me to tell the full story, I need to say what he did wrong also. And I, yeah, I, I feel discomfort with that of like the things that we really did wrong were two people. <laughs> and, and then I don't want, I'm like not big enough to just get out there and say everything I did wrong without being like, but wait a minute, <laughs> a lot of it was a reaction. And like, there was a give and a take that happened for 10 years. Uh, that's, that's been hard for me. And, and then I feel like I'm not being completely honest about the whole story and about like my parts in it and what, like, I talk a lot now about my recovery and like the positive steps that I've made, but not so much about like what the marriage was like or the dissolution of that. I think all your contributions have been wonderful. There's no joke. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think the, the difficulty you're bringing up is that like, it is two people's stories. It's not one story. And if you're going to be complete about it, you have to be complete about it. It's very difficult to be completely honest about divorce in a public setting. You really can't, especially if you also do want to have some sense of peacefulness in your life. You and I have said that like one of the main rules here is that we're not going to rag on our exes. And that's a really good thing. Right. I don't think we've done that. I think we've been honest to the extent that we can as best we can without damaging those relationships because we don't want to damage relationships. Uh, it's a tough thing. There's many things that I want to write about. Um, I'm very, very pulled to write about, but it's not just about me. No, it's not just about you. I think you can though write about it and speak about it from your own perspective. You just have to be aware of what those boundaries are. And I'm okay with that. Like, I don't feel myself bleeding from that. And I know that Tamar's on Clubhouse as well, but I haven't ragged on anything, right? I haven't done anything like that. That's what I feel good about. My point is again, that like, there's this just, I think, social anxiety that I'm experiencing as a result from a trauma um, of the yeah. divorce, right? That like someone in deep in my life, right? Who I had been intimate with, right? had said, I don't want this anymore with you. And that became very jarring. And then the residual effects of other people who may not have been that direct about it, right, but have certainly vanished from my life as a result of the divorce. I think that feels kind of like what could potentially happen here, right? That's what I feel sensitive about with this whole thing, which is that like, at some point in the conversation, someone's going to get tired of me because I'm just being me. And they're going to say, you know what, this, 
isn't working anymore, right? And I'm going to be left bereft in some way. We are in a tough position where we chose professions that are very much intertwined with our personal lives. Yeah. It's like, we, yeah. and we went above and beyond and be like, we're going to focus on the darkest period of our lives. <laughs> we're gonna, I've actually questioned, like, do I want to be all about divorced for the next 20 years of my life? Like, am I not going to move past this experience? And it's, it's been something to think about because there's always going to be this connection between what we experience personally and how we, what we bring to the table professionally. It's not like we went through hard times parenting, divorce, childhood, and then we go and we are working advertising. <laughs> um, it's just this synthesis and it gets complicated. My gosh. And having, I know I have a depressive attitude. I don't know if you have this depressive streak running through you, but it, it certainly can't help with the whole situation. So I don't have, a, I have other challenges. I don't have a depressive streak. If anything, I trend towards non-depressiveness. Um, but Certainly I have other things that are my challenges. <laughs> um, and you know what? My ex had that tendency and it was hard for me. It was hard because I don't understand it so much. You know, like, get out of bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you just can't. Yeah. And that's not me. That's not my, my depressive streak. Like I can get out of bed. I can do all that stuff. I, I recognize it coming on. I can, you know, t take the right care for myself, even in isolation. I'm really proud of myself for that. But the point is to say, uh, that my depressive streak is a little different. And, and I think it just, <laughs> it doesn't help with the whole conversation either. I, I think what, what might be helpful and it's a message to myself also, cause I struggle with, with it also like back when I used to be more on Facebook, but it was, it's I grew up in a culture. So I grew up very religious and the, the culture yeah. is you do not put yourself your shit out there. You don't put your shit out there. You don't put authenticity right. out there. You put what needs to look good for the public because you want to get married one day and you want a good marriage and your sisters want to get married and they need a good marriage. And everything was about how you presented to the public. And that has haunted me as I've become more public. And I think seven times about what I write. Okay. Like, is this going to, you know, things don't disappear nowadays. They stay on forever. And what, how can this be perceived? And is this the right thing? And, and, and so I wish I was a little bit less thought out or meticulous about what I was putting out to the public because I think it does create a wall and a barrier. I know you care about that. That's been very, that's been clear to me throughout our project together that you, know, you care about the way that it looks and it comes off. I actually respect that a lot. I really do. Uh, it's a standard that we should aspire for. There's no question about it. It's actually- It really has its dark and bright sides, like right? Everything so, like yeah, everything Yeah, it, it's does. good to care, but at the same time, are you filtering out things? Yeah. Are we like, are we leaving out things that, you know what the truth is people are so attracted to the authentic stuff and they want to know they are not the only ones that are imperfect. There, people want imperfection. I get it. I get it. It's a valuable social currency, but I think there's also an exhaustion that comes from it. Yeah. This isn't necessarily about oversharing uh, that in terms of like what you share. It's just that how much have you shared like over the course of time, the pace of it. Uh, and that's something that's also really jarring. Like it takes away the mystery of things as well. I think it also just, you know, and it creates that real imbalance. Uh, it's funny that like you, you also just said this thing about the appearance needs to be really great. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about in this group on, uh, on Clubhouse is what's your crazy, which came up for me 
uh, I was listening to Krista Tippett. Yeah, she's a great podcast on being on NPR. And uh, she was interviewing Alan de Botan, who's a, a. Oh, he's my favorite. Right. And so <laughs> they were talking about, you know, how on the first date, one of the questions should be, what's your crazy? And the point is to say, like, you go to the first date with these, you know, amazing. Just listen to a video of his of how to seduce somebody on a date. So it's funny. <laughs> so, <Literally yesterday. laughs> so maybe, yeah. this is what I should watch now. That's actually really I'll good. I'll so tell you what it is. I was very taken by the message. Okay. So I'll, I'll, yeah. the, the, I'll get to my point, but which is that. On the first day, you always put your best foot forward. You want someone to have an idealized, you know, version of you and that sticks with us. And then, you know, consistently as the relationship unfolds, you really get to know people like, that's not the person I met. So mm -hmm. on the first day, you should always be more honest, more vulnerable and saying, what's your crazy and revealing this part of yourself. So the person, first of all, doesn't have this, you know, idealized version of you, but also that like you have a much more realistic understanding of the type of person you're moving forward with, if that's the way it's going to go. Yeah. So it's along that line. And I thought it was really great message of, but he, in this video, he adds the, the two-way component. So how does, how to seduce somebody on a date is to show a vulnerable side of yourself, to show an imperfect side of yourself and that you, it's interesting because he says, and that you're not crazy. Like one of the examples is he uses, I was really nervous for today for this date. So you're showing that you were nervous, but that you showed up okay and personable. So like you, you have these challenges, but you also know how to manage and deal with them. And at That's the right. same time, letting the other person know that you see their imperfection, because when people are overly flirtatious or overly um, complimentary, our brains are like, but I'm not really like that. So we get nervous when that we're scared. People are not going to see us for who we are or love us for who we are. If they build up this image of us as being perfect and that makes us run away, it's not attractive. So the center of that is recognizing imperfection in yourself and in other people. It's exactly what you're saying of what's the crazy, but in both sides. That's right. And I, th I was really, I was really taken by that message of, yeah, that's, that's very powerful. You do great on clubhouse. Don't get started. I'm just <laughs> saying it's not, oh my God but you do great just based on that. People would be like, I love you. Let me follow you. <laughs> well, you. that's not mine. That's Alan de Baton's. That's right. But I you're relaying it, right? That's the point. You're bringing it to them and they'd say, I love your energy. <laughs> love your well, energy. We'll, we'll see. Oh, man. Uh, okay. All yeah. Right. So yeah, really before we wrap up then, is there something you think I should try to do? Like if I'm feeling this anxiety about things, because I certainly think boundaries are going to help. I think, I think you, what, what helps me is like create this identity of who you want to be. So what are your values and who's your image? And then when you do something or when you're about to do something, is this going to take me closer or away from who I want to be? And if your ideal image is a real personable, relatable professional who's in this field, is this message going to get me there or not? And it comes at a, at a cost. Will I lose a few followers? Maybe, but is it making me appear this way? Or is it not? Is it just raw material that's not necessary to get said and it doesn't have a relatable message? It's not going to help anybody. And this is just a dumping ground. Maybe it's not the right thing to say. That's really helpful. I found myself falling into like a teenage flirting game, which feels fun at times because there's like still an anonymity behind it because you haven't met people, but it, it's, it's wearing on me. It's not fun anymore. So just in a personal level of like, I just started seeing somebody and that there's this always this in, thanks it's a lot of fun but in the in the beginning it's this fear of like you want to be real you want to share of yourself and then you text something you're like shit like 
how's that going to be received? And oh my God, did I just blow everything by saying that? Did, was it received as a joke or like when it was meant to be or I was it not? I can't tell you how often right? I go through that. And then I really have to say like, I can't spend my life censoring myself. And if, and if he walks away or he's not interested because of that, then like, then that wasn't meant to be. Then, then I, I can't be in a relationship where I need to constantly censor myself. You have to. And it's I, like, just yeah. like swallowing and being in that anxiety and then remembering of like, okay. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. And if you lose your followers, that's okay. And if, and this relationship Absolutely. doesn't happen, then, then that's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ugh. Okay. This Are is, we airing this? I would like to. Sure. Okay. I don't have a problem with that. It's fine. So reach out friends. If you're having difficulties with relationships, post-divorce, I guess that's the hot topic now relationships. Reach or, out. or putting your authentic foot forward. And yes. Pastas for you. Yes. Putting your authentic foot forward. You can reach us at the Jewish Divorce Project at gmail.com or www.thejewishdivorceproject.com. And you can also find us on social media at the Jewish Divorce Project at Instagram and Facebook. I had a brain moment. <laughs> You're allowed to have a brain moment. Enjoy. Mm -hmm.